morning, one and all, and welcome to the Huddersfield Town Social. It's nice to speak to you after a victory. The first one for 55 days, I believe. Maybe. So, what's that? Eight weeks? Shocking. Uh, my name's Graham Mara. Joining me as ever, Cameron Pope. Uh, the, the Aussie drinking his uh, shandies is back from Australia in Kilroy. Naked Nick Barlow's preparing himself after making himself look a fool last week. We've all said shit like that before. And Gaz K, uh, who's uh, sat there waiting for his COVID vaccine. Hope we've all had a good week, gentlemen. And we will start with what, well, where the hell did that come from? Swansea, who have conceded subtle goals all season. I think it's 19 goals and Town has has put about a third of them past them this season. They've had a rock solid defence, but Carlos Ball seemingly isn't for them. What a victory. I actually don't remember the last time we went into a league fixture with expectation at such a low since we came down from the Premier League, you know, and it was different then, wasn't it? Going down to Stamford Bridge and knowing you were going to be on the end of a tanking. It's a little bit different to welcoming Swansea at home and fearing the same. So, so no one gave us a chance, not least, you know, ourselves. Um, and I, I think actually our group chat was probably the most telling example of that. Because I think three of us predicted a 3-1 win for Swansea with town to score, uh, to score first. And at, at half time, I mean, I was one of them. And at half time, I was considering retrading as a fortune teller because I thought, well, we've seen this all before, haven't we? Um, and and do you know what? Having been on top of the first half an hour, I thought we 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 made the same mistakes as we do time and time again. Um, namely, overplaying from the back and uh, executing game management really poorly. You know, ten seconds before half time, we let Wickham back into the game, and forty seconds before half time, we let Swansea back into the game. And I don't think Ryan Schofield will want to see that replay back too many times. It's a soft free kick. You shouldn't get beaten at your uh, your near post like that, but. Second half, full credit to the men on the pitch, you know, a number of whom I thought had the best game of the season. For me, Alex Bayeko, undisputed man of the match. All the simple stuff he does correct. He's collected, he's composed on the ball. And also, we've seen progression in him. He's grown every single game he's played for us this season. You know, he's come a long way since when we... Was it Plymouth we first saw him in the FA Cup and we were a bit unsure that first half? He grew in that game and ever since, he's become better and better and better. I also don't think he has the tendency to grind attacks to a halt, like we sometimes see in Jonathan Hogg's play. And also, he's got skill as well. Um, you know, he's, he's exciting to watch. He took Jordan Morris out of the equation twice in one move on the edge of our box um, just before the hour mark. So, you know, I'm really excited to see more of him. And I hope that he's one for the retained list now um, at the end of the season. The other name you have to mention is Lewis O'Brien. You know, he was back to the Lewis O'Brien of old. Um, I think he linked up well with Jaden Brown down that left flank. He got on the score sheet again for the first time since that Millwall win back at the end of October. That was really positive to see him back playing like as at his best once again. It's been a long time coming that. And so I think a lot of people will be really pleased and hope we can continue that really. Maybe that is the position for him this season. It just seemed to work for him. But you know, you cannot the, the magnitude of that win is not going to be lost on anyone. You know, that was the time where we most needed the win. And looking at it now, I think Ian might have said in the podcast before that 45 points will do it. Or I think we've seen a we've tweeted to that effect. 45 points will do it now, I think, and that means three more wins. In the rest of our games that's huge now that's huge I actually now have changed in that in that mindset and thinking right we're 50 50 for relegation I think that that could be the win that sets us on on track to stay up we're now seven points clear of the relegation zone okay rather than Sheffield United Wickham all got games in hand as of Derby but you know I think I look at midweek's fixture as well and that's equally important I think look you know now now is the chance where we push on so you know for me for me I, I think we're heading down the right track now um, fantastic goal for, for, for 1-0 I thought Lewis O'Brien and, uh, and, and, and Brown 
working well on that overlap with finish from Grant. 2-1, another thing that I wanted to point out is Lewis O'Brien. Why not take a shot from there? You know, for years, we lamented Town's fear of having a pop at goal. So many times we tried to walk it in and, it, and it, was, it was to the angst of everyone. Our second and fourth goals came from exactly that. You know, the third goal, Holmes has got into the right area of the pitch, finished it well. The fourth is just spectacular. Uh, it, that is just majestic. And it's a long time since I've seen a town goal uh, of that calibre. Um, and, and so, yeah, for me, it, it, it looks, I look at it and it raises questions of who we keep at the end of the season. I think Bayeko has made his, uh, his biggest statement yet, his big, he staked his biggest claim yet to, uh, to, to, to stay into the end of the season. And, and for me, you know, that was a, an enormous win at the time. We most needed it. Well, I have a message for Swansea, and that's can we play you every week? I mean, the, the Swansea fans must be must be sick of the sight of Huddersfield. Um, I think the difference yesterday for me was it felt like a, a team performance. Everybody played their part yesterday, and I think that's been a, a weakness for me at times this year. You know, and we we played well and kept the kept the game going for ninety minutes. Yes, Swansea had, had a spell in the lead up to half time. But, you know, in any championship level game, no matter how well you play, your opposition's going to have a period of dominance. So, we, you know, we nearly saw that out. And I was hopping mad about the goal at halftime. I thought it was never a foul. You know, the referee gave a, the most bizarre free kick I've ever seen. And, and then we set up two midgets in the wall. And, you know, I mean, Schofield might as well have just stood there pointing at the corner for somebody of Hurahan's quality to leave that much room is, is a schoolboy error. But, you know, I, I, we were all fearful. But, you know, they came out and they absolutely blew Swansea away in a, what was it, a seven or eight minute spell. Um, and then what was really pleasing for me was we closed the game out. You know, apart from one or two moments of Nabisar madness, we looked solid, we looked composed, we kept the ball. Um, you know, I felt for the lad that went off, that looked a pretty nasty injury. But for once, we actually managed 10 men better than than before, maybe because we didn't have to score perhaps. But, you know, why, why did we look so good? I think the three at the back made a big difference yesterday. Yeah, I'm with you, Cam. I think Bayeko is definitely a, 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 a centre-half in a back three for me. You know, he came out with the ball. He almost took Hogg out of the game in terms of distribution and left Hogg to just do the tackling, which was which I thought was, was good. Lewis O'Brien, I thought he was excellent yesterday. He deserved that goal. And Dwayne Holmes was busy. You know, I think he'd been busy in previous games, but really ineffective. And that second strike, you know, it, it was bobbling all over. I mean, it's not just a sweet strike. It's a sweet strike on a ball that that was difficult to hit cleanly. I mean, if you've seen the replay from behind the goal, it couldn't have been more perfect. And the other one that deserves a mention, I thought, was young young Aaron Rowe. I thought he was, I thought he was brilliant. Every time he got the ball, he wanted to do one thing, which was to get at the fullback. And Swansea, whether they didn't know enough about him or whether they didn't fancy him, continually left him one-on-one with the fullback. And he was having the fullback on toast. He was going to the byline. I mean, when was the last time we had a, a winger going to the byline and putting crosses in? Uh, you know, and we took our chances. I think that was the other thing yesterday. The first goal, you know, we had one of those midweek. It bounced on the post and came out. Saturday, it bounced on the post and went in. And I guess you sometimes need that stroke of luck. But then we had three chances pretty quickly in the second half and took all three, which was excellent. Um, you know, I, I think it's vitally important now when we when we go to Derby on Tuesday night, we take some of that with us. We've got to get something out of that game. I mean, you're talking about nine points, Cam. I think it's probably going to be 12. I guess we can talk about the, the upcoming fixtures later. But in the next six or eight games, town can have this done and dusted. All they need to do is try and replicate that kind of form. And fingers crossed when we go to Derby, the rule of the X strikes and Dwayne Holmes wants to stick it to Wayne Rooney and repeat those, repeat that kind of finish. 
So yeah, a great a great afternoon all round. Oh yes, lads, yes, finally, finally a win. It's taken ten games, but at last we've got a win. Oh, what what a performance! I actually, it's gone to the point where it's been so long. I didn't know what to do with myself. I was so elated after the game. I think I had a boner for ten minutes. I'd sit cross legged. My missus while I was going. Oh, what's wrong with you? Oh, lads, what a win! Vallejo distributing the ball really well. O'Brien back to his best, driving forward, making things happen. Holmes, two amazing goals, uh, finally showing us why we, we brought the guy back. And again, I'm going to have a special mention for Aramo as well. I thought it was absolutely outstanding on that left-hand side, driving forward, putting some really good balls into the box. And Swansea couldn't, couldn't cope with it. Um, I don't want to have a go at Schofield too much. Gaz already said that, you know, he, he left his to leave your near post open against someone like Hurraham with that left foot. You know, he's, he's got to be more organised um, and switched on. And he, he's a young lad, he's learning. He'll, he'll come better um, as the more he plays. He just needs to command his box more. It just needs to have more of a presence, better organisation, but he'll, he'll get there. But lads, I'm, I'm not going to say anything negative about that yesterday because if we can't celebrate that and go over the top when can we what a fantastic result and I'm absolutely buzzing but it means nothing if we then go to Derby and lose 3-0 did it we, we've got to take this now we've got to take all the positives the players have got to take the confidence in to that game on Tuesday night and uh, and get another result at Derby and then if we get that suddenly it's looking a lot better lose the next two games and all of a sudden we're looking over his shoulders again. So this, this I said on um, Twitter, this could be the turning point of the season now. Um, that, that could be the game there that, that changes everything. Uh, and let's hope it does. And let's, let's hope that we start looking up again and not down. Thought you were going to uh, dip into the uh, playoff word there, Nick. I thought you, I thought you were just looking up. I thought that was just going to sneak into the equation. We've, we've been on social media a little bit yesterday after... To me, a performance that was just great, all, all around fantastic. But rather than talk about the players' performance, which to a man was great, even Schofield, free kick aside, I thought he's, he's, he's learning he's going to have games where he's not necessarily as on it as he should be or as goalkeepers in their mid-20s are, right? He's not, he's inexperienced, we know that. But for me yesterday, the most important thing is we are witnessing the evolution of Carlos Corbran. Now, there was a, an issue we've had with him and many people have had in a lack of a plan B that he, he, he stays to his, his game plan and we don't deviate from it very much. But to me, since the Wickham game, and Greg spoke of something we spoke of um, last week in that he had Johnny Og dropping in to cover Keogh's lack of pace. I think it was behind Pippa on the right-hand side against Wickham and it didn't work, right? We got fucked up and, and deservedly beaten in that one. But it just showed that there was a willingness to change and maturity in an inexperienced coach that's young in his career. He's finding his feet just as we are with the new status of town being a championship club and not a Premier League club. But now he's willing to, to change things up a little bit. And, and the call yesterday to go with Ico at the back in a back three won the game for us. That, that set the, the template for the victory alone. Now, we know we are competitive in games. My big issue last week was that it felt a bit like the demons were setting in again, like under Jan Saiwer at the beginning of last year, where we'd go, we'd, we'd go ahead and then, and then we'd concede and everything just looked, everything kind of fell in, in on itself a little bit. And yesterday it could have happened, couldn't it? When Schofield's free kick issue, when that goes in and you're one all, you're thinking, oh, what's going to happen here? 
But with the new structure that we have, it just gave everyone a new, a new bit, a bit of belief. And to me, even though Swansea are pushing at the right end of the table, what the fourth before yesterday, going into that with a few games in hand that could have potentially put them at the top of the table. But for some reason, they suit our system for us down to the ground. We just play well against them. And I think it's a little bit of ignorance on Swansea's part. We are a predictable team, or we have been up until recently. And they, they, they were about playing their own way, regardless of what we play. And now Luton and Wickham and other teams that we've played against recently haven't done that. They're like, right, we're going to let Naby Sar take it out from the back because he's not great on the ball. Or we'll let Richard Keogh do it because he's a little bit slow. If we drag him out, we can try and get in behind him there. There's a gap between Pippa and the right centre-back every week and blah, blah, blah. Yesterday, someone just tried to play their own game and our chaos system does work a little bit better against them going forward. And that's why we've put, what, six past them now in two games, which will be far more than any of the team does over the course of the season against them. But the game itself, everything that could go right for us did. Now, the goals were all fantastically taken, but I'll go through them one by one. The first goal, Fraser Campbell, we managed to recycle it at the back post, which is great. But Campbell hits the, it hits the post and goes in the back of the net. That can bounce out 10 times out of 20. You never know which way it's going to go. But went in our favour. We, we earn it because we do create chances. What we're, I think, eighth when it comes to goals for this season, um, with 38 for, this, for the year. So we do create chances to score goals. But yesterday, the first goal there is posting in and then for Lewis O'Brien's shot, he's taken a massive deflection and the goalkeeper's lost that and it's gone in the back of the goal. Great, you've got to make your own look. I get that. The third goal, the Holmes um, goal from Rowe knocking a beautiful ball back after Fraser Campbell falls over, the ball hits his head and falls just into Rowe's run. He puts a nice pass through there and Holmes is fantastic. And for the last goal, Holmes's finish is wonderful. But he's pulled his leg back to have a shot at that before it's actually taken the bubble. So he has made an adjustment within his stride, but how many times do we see that happen and it's blown out for a throw-in, never mind nestles in the back of the net? When it when it's on, sometimes it's just on. And for us yesterday, it really did. Everything just went in our favour. The problem is with relegation-threatened teams, a lot of the time when the chances fall in your favour, you don't take them and you end up losing games where you should win. For Town to win yesterday, it was fucking amazing. It was amazing, amazing. We took what was what was there to be taken against a team that do play to our strength regardless of where they are in the table. But again, for me, the most important thing is Carlos isn't rigid to his old system that we had to, and I will say, suffer through for the last seven games of the 10-game losing streak or whatever it was without a win. Um, and now we're seeing him experiment with new things. Maybe he's new confidence. Maybe he's played more with the lads in training and, and, and now understands a bit better what they can do. But the system that we had yesterday had far more flexibility and bespoke parts than what we've seen since the beginning of the season. And I'm genuinely, after one game, it's a bit happy-clappy again, isn't it? But I'm excited to see how the rest of the season goes because if we are willing to make changes like that, it won't be as predictable as it has been up until now. I think that's... is. The, the the silence in his face is now when we're looking at I'm, I'm watching us all and I'm normally seeing like you know the, the heads of like nodding in frustration and the teeth kind of grinding and everyone just sat there and was listening to to Ian and Gaz and just like just like kind of like with rice smiles and it's the first time we've seen that in such a long time like I I, I I I never ever saw this coming but like what a you know what 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 a treat what an absolute treat and yeah I think you're right to to mention out um, uh, Aaron Rowe as well in fact yeah I want to correct myself yeah I said that Jaden Brown linked up well with Lewis O'Brien for that first goal of course he didn't because he didn't come on till the 85th minute. I meant Aaron Rowe. But um, but it's just, I I, I, th- I think now, though, that's such a pertinent point that if we don't make this count on Tuesday, then what's it for? Because whilst it's lovely to, to, to score four goals, it's the first time in three years, these aren't the games that define your season, are they? You know, 
And then, uh, so I, I think, yeah, absolutely. Tuesday is the bigger game. And so we have to take the momentum into it now. That's where I feel that, you know, Athens squad might come back to bite us on the backside once again, because there's not a lot of turnaround, is there, between Saturday, three o'clock and, uh, and Tuesday at seven. But no, I think now the one the one thing that's changed is that there's actually anticipation back now. And I think there's a belief that's, that we can actually get something. We've seen that we've actually got a plan B and can be fluid and Carlos can can mould into something different because the atmosphere was getting really sour. Um, and, you know, we've even seen the S word, the sack word being, being thrown around a little bit as well. And so, and, and not least maybe from ourselves. And so, no, I think that, that this is just, it's not lost on anyone, is it? The importance of getting a win now, but but my goodness me, it just, it just ratchets up the tension for Tuesday. When you look at the next games, we've got Derby Tuesday, Preston Saturday, and then Birmingham the following Tuesday, all teams in and around us. Then we've got Cardiff, who are obviously the other end. Then you've got QPR and Wednesday. So, you know, in the next six games, we've got five teams that are in and around us. Now, we haven't done so well against teams that are in and around us this year. That That's my concern, because as you say, they'll come, they'll sit deep and say to us, well, come on then, boys. If you think you're good enough, try and play through us. You know, I think Ian's point about Swansea playing their own game actually fell into our hands because they're about they were as quick at the back as we are. I mean, Fraser Campbell burned Bidwell off. How slow must Bidwell be? So I think we've um and with you, Cam, we've got to take advantage of the confidence that that's going to bring. You know, I think there's uh, the chinos were back, which helped. The New Balance were back, which helped. So uh, need to make sure we take everything we can into the next game. Hey, look, they're not as easy as they look, these fixtures, are they? Derby have won the last three home games. Preston, I mean, I can't... Does anyone remember us winning at Preston in our lifetime? I can't. I, don't, I can't remember us ever winning at Preston. It's about time that changed. Um, look, the, we, you're right, we, we do struggle in these type of fixtures, but we, we, we definitely need to be getting some points in these, in these next six games. Um, Easier said than done, but I, I think this formation uh, that we played suits us. I think he needs to try and stick with that um, three at the back and, and wing backs. And, and it, the, the one ray of um, light on the horizon as well is that we're starting to get some more players back from injury as well. It was good to see Stearman out there on the pitch, I have to say, um, towards the latter end of the game. Um, so the more players we can get back, the better position we're going to be in. But Tough games, but we, you know, we we really have to. Out of the next, I would say three games, get at least four points, definitely. Well, last time we put a target on points, we didn't win anything, so we best we best leave that. Still, was it was it seven points you wanted, Gaz or five? I can't remember. It was seven. It was seven from five games, and we got one. <laughs> I don't think. Um, don't put target uh, targets on it. Let's be a bit more sensible. But no, you are right. It is just a season-defining kind of patch of games because if you can come out on the right side of it, there is a it allows Carlos to do a little bit more experimenting to see what he needs for next season. Uh, because at the minute we are linked to Ravel Morrison, which is interesting. Um, if if you, if you can, I'd encourage you to listen to. Um, Rio Ferdinand's podcast with him because it, it was quite telling the kind of stuff that the lad had to go through. But, you know, looking from that as just a, objectively as a town fan, that's a lad who's never played more than 30 games at the age of 27 for any club and has been at two, 12 clubs. So, you know, that's the kind of desperation that town are looking at at the minute. I'm not saying he's a fantastic player. I, I remember seeing him in England under 21s. He was absolutely terrific. Um, and, 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 uh, and Nias has gone on the back burner probably because of the new point system required with Brexit um, and, 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 you know, 
meaning we can't really dip into foreign markets like we once did. So now we're linked with Yaya Sanogo, which, um, well, <laughs> wasn't very good when he was at Arsenal and he's definitely not been very good since. So, you know, if Town can get out of that period again with some points, it means that we don't have to dip into that free transfer market because there's a reason that market is available as it is. It's it's full of players that aren't match fit and it's full of players that probably aren't quite up to the standard, are they? Well, look, I think I think what we're all sort of thinking now is it's quite clear that we we seem to be stalling these moves, don't they? How long have we been linked with these players now? Um, and you're looking at what we're in we're in late February and the season ends in May, and then and now you've got to get exactly players back to match fitness, uh, players you haven't really seen in a ball and competitive action for, for some of them for quite a long time. And so, yeah, I think I think of the names we've been linked with. Ravel is definitely the top of that list in terms of calibre of player. Um, and if he were to throw in a few good performances, he's probably the one that could most benefit us, I would imagine. Um, and, and OK, yeah, his, his background notwithstanding, you know, I don't I don't buy into that really, especially if we've got this moniker as, a, um, you know, the working class club, we need to be taking players of all backgrounds. And he is definitely a product of his environment. It was a fantastic interview that he had with Rio Ferdinand and, and, and very enlightening. Um, so, you know, I... I'd, I'd, I'd be up for that personally. I think that that's the one I'd like to see. However, I don't see the wisdom now in, in, in bringing in, you know, three or four players in the, in the free market. And that might sound strange to those who've been listening all season and they've heard us clamouring for more players and, and um, you know, quantity as well as quality. But that, that was earlier in the season and now we've got a handful of games left, three months left. We've not really got the time to pay these players wages to get them back up to, to, to fitness standard. We've seen, you know, we got Warden in at the start of the season and he's still not much fit now. So it, it's a gamble, isn't it? And so, you know, if you can cherry pick one that works well, then fair enough. It, it does seem that we're, that we're treading water and waiting until uh, waiting to see if we really do need these players to come in or not. And, and maybe there is some wisdom behind that. It's frustrating for fans, of course, but okay. We, we, we have been, we have been bitten before where we've, we've spent money on players that we didn't need. And I'm not suggesting we're going to be throwing massive 14 million pound, uh, you know, transfer bids at these players. It doesn't work like that, does it? But it's the same principle. We've got to spend wisely. And we've got to think, okay, what let, let, we need to now think and be frugal and spend. Okay. Um, what's going to keep us in the division? And but hey, we're good at being frugal, so so you know I, I would back that. But I don't know. It does worry you when you see these names and you see these castoffs and rejects from other clubs. Um, I don't know if that always works out, but hey, if you if you if you go in for three, maybe you're going to come up trumps um, with one. And so, yeah, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it now and I'm thinking Ravel Morris and that could be an interesting signing. Um, we've always said that another striker in, in, in Sunogo, um, or Onyas as well, who's obviously got experience at this level and higher, um, that would do me. Um, but I don't know, personally, I, I, I think maybe it's a bit too little too late now. And if we could just go for one of them, I won't be as disappointed as I will have been with the transfer business for the rest of the season. I think the Ravel Morrison one probably tells us that Iting's not coming back. So I think done for the season. I think his race has run. Uh, he was another one that, that you know, had a habit of breaking down. I mean, that that's one of the bizarre things for me, Cam. You picked, picked Danny Ward there. And I know everybody makes a joke about it, but, you know, we have, we have been, as a lot of clubs do at our level, when you want to try and build a successful team, we find players that have had issues at their prior clubs because that makes them cheaper. And often that issue is injury, but then you put them in an environment where we absolutely batter them in training. So why do you sign people who are injury prone and then absolutely hammer them? That's something I struggle to understand. Um, yeah, you know, I think, yeah, we, we've been asking constantly for more bodies. 
So, you know, if, if they bring him in, then then great. You know, I, I assume he'll be on a deal that's affordable for both parties and there'll be a, an option for extension for both parties, one would assume. Um, I, I think Ravel Morrison is probably one that I'd be really interested to see. You know, can we get something out of him that, that other teams have struggled to get out of a lad who had? You know, let's be honest, in his early 20s, was destined for the top, you know, the, the very top. And he lost his way somehow. But, you know, what? listen, there are a lot of coaches, Warnock, people like that, who build teams out of flops, out of people who failed elsewhere. It's quite a common theme. Whether Carlos has got that in his locker, on top of trying to cope with his first career, uh, his first management job in his career, and the challenge of the pressure relegation, and all the injuries he's got to cope with, and so on, and the expectation, I guess. You know, has he also got it in his locker to be able to find players who are underperforming and turn them into world beaters would be another question for me. If he can't do that, Gazzo, he's at the wrong football club, isn't he? Because we don't have the money to go out and buy the best. We've, for well, Apart from a couple of years in the Premier League, I suppose, and the promotion season in the Championship, we did go out and got, get some decent um, players with good reputation. But the club that we are, we aren't going to be able to go out and buy the finished article. We're not, like you say, you've got a few different options. You've got up-and-comers that are cheap, like Sorber, you've got like Jordan Rhodes was at one, once upon a time. Then you've got you guys that are injured and hopefully it's a one-off injury with Iting and he can come back and because he's a young lad, he can recover better than most twenty late 20s and 30-year-olds do and he can hopefully play the the really fitness-intensive system that we do. That unfortunately didn't work. Then you've got, like you say, players that have had issues at different clubs and I think Ravel, uh, again, what, five years ago, six years ago, what a player. What is he the same player now? No one knows. We've no one seen him play. It's a low. It would be a low resigning till the end of the season. So the upside is that he's fantastic, and we have him for a few years. Wonderful. The low risk is that he's he's gone in the summer. It never never quite worked. Or what would happen to town is he'd do great until then, and then would sign him on a multi year deal, and that's when that's when the trouble happens. We've seen that many many times before. Um, the only issue I'd have with the Ravel signing is Morrison had issues um, with his the people he surrounded himself with. Um, according to everything you've ever listened to. And geographically, Huddersfield isn't that far away from Manchester where the problems were initially. Um, so that alone is is a is a bit of a potential problem. Like you can't ignore that. You cannot ignore that. But again, all this to me comes back to the end of January. At the start, we thought we were fine. We were doing wonderful. We were going to be able to coast it through to the end of the season. And as we've spoken about before, it got to the end of January and the club started flapping. The, the people behind the scenes started flapping on the field. You could see the players, that the, the demons arrived again. And, and the, psychologically, you could see them flapping when goals went in. There was any, any sort of adversity. People just fell in on themselves. Just after the one win yesterday, I think we find ourselves in a very different situation, a very different situation. A win against all odds, Effie Sodje doing his proud still, is just what you need when, when things are going wrong. And, and to do that yesterday was so, so good. It does change for me the outlook on needing to bring new players into the end of the season, just, just to have that little bit of creative spark. Dwayne Holmes, Dwayne Holmes yesterday created more than we need from any other player. <laughs> like he was, he was amazing in that final third. And if that's a Dwayne Holmes we have until the end of the season and on the off chance that Coroma is back within a month or so, I don't know if he's out until the end of the season. If he's back in four weeks, five weeks, that's another goal getter there how much more do we need how much if we're in this rebuild mode uh, we spoke like last week there was i wasn't on of course you guys was talking about carlos and now for me is 
we're in a situation where we, we've decided to rebuild in the summer. And now you can waste time, Tristan in here, so we'll cut out of that debate. But we can waste time discussing whether it should be done that way or shouldn't be done that Whatever, we've decided to go that way. And we've got to stick at it now. We have to, we have to go for that. So the call is, do you save as much money now as you can to be able to bring in better things in the summer? And that is a, a balancing, a, a business decision, I imagine. The, the football inside of the kits ter- takes care of itself now with a win. I'm not with you guys. I don't think it's a must-win win against Derby. I, I wouldn't have expected three points from either game. So I'd have thought two at most from the pair of them. And, and to come away with three points from deal one, great. We're, we're, above, we're below par, above par. But, you know, anyway. Um, it's just, I don't think we need the signings we needed just a few days ago. I don't. I think we can go through to the summer and and, and dig into the rebuild process that that Phil's sold us all on and Carlos has, has spoken about. And that's what, we're, that's what we're going for. So let's stick at it at this point. We can't shit at the bed now just because things have gone a little bit wrong in January. We have to stick at it and do everything we can and see it through as best we can. I didn't think I'd ever say that, but they, here I am saying it. Uh, well, so I was just going to say, would you, would you have said that before yesterday's win? Yes, I did, actually. I said it after Wickham, people talking about sacking Carlos and Middlesbrough. Midway, people were talking about that. I'm thinking, no, you can't. You can't sack him. If You brought him in to do this. You brought him in for a rebuild in the summer. So even a relegation to League One for me prior to yesterday meant the club had to keep Carlos. I can disagree with the Carlos, the Carlos appointment when I'm the biggest Cowley fan going. But at this point, if, you, if that's what you're going for, you've got to stick with it. You have to stick with it because it does, it does take years to build a system where a club can flourish for a longer period of time. It does. And if you're trying to do it bigger than just the manager alone, so you want the backroom staff to be there for when the manager moves on and we've got the system and we've got the B team flourishing and, and there's 20 players in there that we hope to step up in the next 24 to 36 months. They're going out on loan to League Two team. That takes a long time. And if there is short-term pain, that kind of has to happen sometimes for long-term success. I wouldn't have done it. I'd have kept the Cowleys and I'd have built around them because I think they are the best small club builders or they are of the last five years. Factually, look at where they've come from with Lincoln. Look where Lincoln are now. And I know they're not in control of them now, but they built the system there that allows them to succeed even now they've gone. That's what I wanted them to do at town at a bigger stage. And you know, I know, Nick knows and Cam knows, everyone and Greg, everyone knows on this podcast that they will eventually do it at this level. They will do it at this level when a club gives them everything they want to succeed. They need full control and we weren't willing to give it, be it financial, be it whatever reason, that's fine. We wanted to go a different route where the club held the power, not the coach. And 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 we know that that is a lot on the, the financial aspect of it. We can control how much we're spending on players a little bit better. So hopefully find extra value there. Whereas obviously the managers want to spend as much money as they can. We get that with the Cowleys. Um, but I did say this last week. If you if this is what you've brought Carlos in to do, you've got to let him do it. And you sink or swim, not today, not tomorrow, but in a year or so, if it's working, then that's that's my kind of time frame on it, guys. I don't know where you're at. Yeah, I, well, I'm with you, and I think I said last week when I was when I was taking the rise out of Phil's review. You know, I felt that we need experience because you know I'm with you. I, I don't think Carlos could do any more than he's doing. I, honestly, I don't. I think the, the club keep talking about having this plan and sticking to this plan and being optimistic about this plan and then start to talk about bringing in Yaya, Sanogo and Umanias. I mean, how does that fit in within this plan? It doesn't fit within the plan, does it? So, you, you know, they either, they either back themselves and the plan and do it properly and get organised and get some experience around them so they can, they can plan properly for the future or they do what they do, which is, fingers crossed, Carlos pulls it out the bag and we'll float around trying to nick some deals where we can. So I'm just, I, I don't want Carlos gone, and I never did. 
but I did feel like he was starting to flounder because he was not he was not getting the feedback he needs from above. I mean, what was interesting, apparently on Radio Leeds, at half-time, I don't know if any of you are listening to the iFollow or Radio Leeds, but just after Schofield let the goal in, uh, Bromby came flying down from the um, the seats and collared Danny Schofield as he was going down the tunnel, and apparently they had, quote, a heated discussion. So, you know, is that the level of involvement that they're having, that they're actually getting involved in, telling them what's good enough and what's not good enough? I don't really know, but I'm with you, Ian. If we're in it now, as my old boss used to say, you can't be half pregnant, and this is one of those scenarios. We have to commit to it fully for it to work, but is the club, are the, are the board committing to it as much as we we think they should be? I don't know. We don't know just yet on that, right? But on the Bromby stuff with Schofield, I loved it. I absolutely loved seeing that. And now I don't like interference at all levels. I don't, right? But to me, between that and seeing um, Stearman on the bench, the players are actually committed. The people care. You can see them flapping, and that's what I think is happening, guys, there. I think Brom- they're all terrified. They're terrified of relegation. We've seen two years of players not giving a shit, so I'm not going to get too hard on, on people caring. Like I say, Stearman, he's not been the greatest player for us, but you see him there on the bench, and he, he's, 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 he's at it. He's, he's, he's living it like a fan is. And then people say, oh, it's because he gets paid. It's because it's, it's nothing to do with that. That passion is because he does genuinely care. He cares about animals and he cares about Huddersfield Town. And I'm never going to I'm never gonna criticise that. And, and for me, I don't think Bromby overstepped that mark, guys. I don't. I don't think he did. I think it's it's just they want what's best for us. And I think that and we've all criticised some of the shitty decisions they've made and we'll continue to criticise some of the shitty decisions they'll make over the summer. And I do put a lot of it down to inexperience. But if you're paying pennies... You get inexperienced people, don't you? Just hope amongst all hopes that you you somehow concoct everything together and, and you get extra extra value from what you're financially putting into it. So I just I'm happy for, for once that people do seem to care again because that's the first time these last two or three games where first time since since the Wagner season, the, the, the Premier League season, the first Premier League season that we've seen it. And it feels a lot longer than just what 24 months ago, but it feels, feels like an awful lot longer since we've seen people that seem to genuinely care about the club um, from top to bottom. So uh, it, may, it makes me happy anyway. Not, not much does anymore, but that did yesterday. Well, there you have it, as Cam said earlier. Can't sit comfortably. For now, seven points above the relegation zone with a couple of key games coming up. Um, key, if we're going to see Nick running around naked around Huddersfield, I think that's the most important thing. Um, whether he lives up to that and, and whether COVID allows it is a different question um, right now it's the best place to leave it gentlemen thank you very much for your time this Sunday morning um, a quick podcast for you because God knows what's going to happen uh, we're back to Saturday uh, Tuesday slash Wednesday games again it's a key part of the season and we'll definitely see what's happening uh, as it progresses Gaz, Cam, Nick, Ian thank you very much for your time I've been Greg Mara. This has been Huddersfield Town Social. Until next time, goodbye.